Well, good morning. My name is Michael. Uh, I am on staff here at Element. I lead one of our gospel communities with my wife. I hope you all had a very merry Christmas. Um, if you wanted, to, if you missed last week, I wanted to kind of give you an update about my life, um, if you care. Uh, I, we had a very great Christmas, my wife and I. Uh, we adopted this little guy on December 15th. Uh, so that was done. And um, here's some pictures. We also dedicated him last Sunday during second service, if you missed it. Um, we're sorry, uh, but it was, it was a, a great Christmas celebrating with that. And drum roll, please. Uh, we are announcing today that we, she is pregnant. Uh, there will be another baby Reed running around at some point next year, uh, end of summer. So it's early yet, but we ask for any and all prayers. If you are thinking about us, would be great as we uh, progress on this journey as well. Today, there are no uh, notes on the communion tables. If you're used to getting those, sorry, ran out of time. Uh, but you can go to the YouVersion Bible app and download uh, or go to more and events, and we'll come up by GPS and you'll have today's verses. Hopefully today will be shorter, but I talk slower than Aaron, so we'll just see. Please stand with me for the reading of God's word. This is Ephesians 5, one through two. Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Let's pray. Father, thank you that you are worthy of our, of our devotion, that you are worthy of us following you and uh, worshiping you. Uh, we thank you that you are good and that you uh, are faithful and that you always provide a way. Father, thank you for all your blessings, uh, namely, mainly Jesus Christ, but also all the good gifts that you give us that we do not deserve. Father, we love you and thank you. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, we started with uh, this year. What I want to do as we recap uh, is to recap. <laughs> uh, this is usually the week where we, we are hopefully can take a breath. Now that Christmas is over, you might be thinking about what you have to de-decorate as soon as you get home. Uh, but usually this is the week where we stop, we reflect on the past year, and we also look uh, at the year ahead. Maybe some people do resolutions, which I'm not going to talk about uh, at all. Um, so what we want to do is, is one last time, we actually want to recap uh, the 15 steps of the Songs of Ascent. Um, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of look at the journey that we have been at all this year. And it started uh, early on with the greatest story ever retold. Um, this was a series that we did, and we looked at the stories from the Bible with a little bit of a different angle. We were relating it to our lives, uh, but retold from the narrative point of the gospel, that God rescues and saves us from ourselves uh, in the way of life. We then went on to the book of Job that helped us to grieve much of the past year or two um, and in a way that centered not on ourselves or our trials, but on God's goodness. In the summer, we did a series through uh, the, 12, the last 12 books of the Old Testament known as the Minor Prophets. They speak of God's calling his people back to himself and uh, when they have strayed from him. They also pointed to the eventual coming of Jesus, who is our ultimate hope. Habakkuk, the last minor prophet we looked at, spent a lot of his time complaining to God about where, where his country was at, the state it was in. As he complains, God speaks and, and tells Habakkuk that he, God, will bring about judgment so intense that no one would believe it if told. Habakkuk demands to know, and God tells him, I'm going to use this other people to come in and ultimately 
it will not be good from what you your standpoint, but uh, it will bring people back to me. And Habakkuk gets to a place where he says, God, I may not understand, but I will trust you. And what he does is he repeats to himself, he remembers God's goodness in saving his people. And Habakkuk constantly goes back and, and retells who God is and what he has done in the past. And this brings about uh, this understanding. I may not understand, but I will trust you. And that brought a deep joy in the midst of Habakkuk's sorrow. And this is true for us today. No matter what comes into our lives, God is still sovereign. We may not understand all God is allowing or doing, but God will move all things to his ultimate purposes. And this led us to the last 15 weeks, a series we called the Songs of Ascent. The Songs of Ascent are Psalms 120 to 134 and are believed to be the songs and prayers that Israelites would recite and sing on the way up to Jerusalem during one of the three major feasts of the Jewish calendar. Each step of the journey has helped us to understand uh, what walking with God looks like. Today, we call this discipleship, becoming a disciple of Jesus and learning to live and walk following him. Ephesians 5, 1 through 2 says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Now, this might be feel redundant, but like I said, we'd like to, before we hit James, uh, the new series on the ninth, we want to stop and go through these 15 steps one more time as a way to remember. Uh, now that Christmas is over and the craziness has settled down, one last time, we'll walk through these 15 again. But before we get there, I briefly want to take a step back to the beginning of the beginning, Genesis 1.1. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God, who was before all things, created all things. And this is the beginning of what we call God's meta-narrative. And it starts with creation. God creates all things and all people. He sets Adam and Eve in a garden to be his image bearers, to worship him rightly. He walks with them and, and in relationship and shows them the right way of living under his rule. This includes commands like make babies, check. <laughs> Enjoy creation, eat from any tree of the garden except for one, and to work, to care for the garden and the animals. And he even shares with them this creation and has them name each of the animals. But it doesn't take long for humans to not be satisfied with God's way of living. In Genesis 3, we get to the fall. So you have creation and then the fall. And they believe that God is withholding from them. And this is a lie, that life can be better on their own without God's interference. This lie leads them to disobey and take things into their own hands. From this moment on, all humanity and creation are under a curse, no longer living in harmony with its creator, no longer living rightly as God intended. Their worship and their image bearing is distorted from that point on. And there is a cost to this sin, and it is separation and death, spiritual and eternal. However, from the earliest moments right after the fall, we see God's goodness as he still pursues his people and provides a way for them. And today we still live under this curse of, from the fall, but we also live with the rest of the scriptures. Thank God it doesn't end in Genesis 3. God brings a redemption plan to his people, and we see this bear out in the book of Exodus. We see that God hears the cry of his people, and he responds, he sees that they are in slavery and bondage, and he sends a messenger to bring his people out of that, out of Egypt and into freedom. 
It may not have been the freedom they wanted. It may not have been the easy life they were hoping for, but it was what they needed. And God promises this. He says, you will be my people and I will be your God. He would bless them and they would be a blessing. And God promises himself over and over. And this ultimately leads us to Jesus, God's son, Emmanuel, which is what we got to, got to uh, celebrate yesterday. Jesus, our great redeemer, took our life record upon himself. He came, lived a sinless life, and was crucified at the hands of his creation. He took the death that we deserve and he took the separation from the heavenly father <clears throat> that we deserve. And he conquered that death. And through his resurrection, he brings restoration, providing a way for us to defeat the effects of our sin, which is death. See, when we, get to, when we stand before God, those who trust him will stand with Christ's life record in place of our own. So that those who have faith and believe can stand before God made righteous. And we become adopted as, uh, as children of the good father and united as a family with each other under his love. And this is the new creation that God will complete the work. So we're still living under the fall of the, uh, in the curse, but God, Jesus will return and complete the work making us fully new creation. And Jesus promises in that return, uh, from now till that return, uh, this thing called sanctification, that we are already redeemed, but not yet fully restored. And day by day, he makes us into Christ-likeness. Uh, and we call this sanctification or salvation in real time. And this is where these 15 steps of the Psalms come in for us today. Yes, they were written before Christ came to the earth, but all of scripture points to Jesus. And on this side of the cross, we get to say uh, that this is what discipleship looks like because of the person and work of Jesus. We get to go through these 15 steps over and over again as he continues to shape us in the likeness of Jesus. So what are the 15, if you haven't been here? The first one is repentance. Repentance is a return to God. True repentance means to return to who God made us to be. The only, this return is only possible because of God's grace given to us by the gospel. We are to be a people, we are a people who are invited into relationship with God. Like the story in Luke 15, the prodigal son. We are people who live with God, but decide we want his blessings, but not him. So we ask for these blessings and then we run away and try to do life on our own. And we break the relationship. And the start of a journey of discipleship begins in a place of repentance. We are honest about who we are, but more importantly, we are honest about who God is. And we come to him and this forms trust. We trust who God is and what he has said. The Bible is the most honest book ever written that deals with human misery and sin. The scriptures never once portray a life lived walking with God as free of difficulties and pain. As a matter of fact, our God comes in the person of Jesus and is despised and rejected to rescue us from our own rebellion. What God promises is that he will be with us in the midst of our struggles. Peterson writes, on every page of the Bible, there's a recognition that faith encounters troubles. In our troubles, we must ask the question, who will we trust most in this moment? When we start to see how trustworthy God is, it results in our worship because we worship. We are made to worship. We see that from the creation account. And when we worship God rightly, we ascribe worth to God himself. Do we believe that God is the most worthy being in all the world? From the creation, 
account, we see that God has built us to be worshipers. It goes deep in our DNA. Worship is a fabric of our existence. Creation was made to glorify God because when God is most glorified, we live in the most joy. And once we begin to understand this, our lives, that our lives do not make sense apart from worship, we take more seriously what we worship. James Stern wrote, the gods we worship write their names on our faces. This goes hand in hand with being made in God's image and that everything is distorted. So when we start worshiping other things in God, we start to mirror them and look like them. And we become like what we worship. And if we worship the true God, we will be more like him. And this results in service. Out of our repentance, trust, and worship of God comes a natural way in which we live with one another because of how God has first served us our, uh, from ourselves and the separation we've caused. By understanding who God is and how he made us to be his image bearers, we naturally change into those who serve one another. The cross is where the, the reality of our image bearing becomes a restored reality. We start to mirror him again. Peterson writes, if God is worth our attention at all, he must be a God we can look up to. The moment we look up to God and not over at him or down at him, we are in a posture of servitude. As servants, we serve him as peacemakers, calling the world to understand not only who made them, but how they were made to live. And this results in our witness. Psalm 124, our witness in the world comes out of the natural places where we live our lives in discipleship with God. We are called to be those who are able to give an answer to those who ask us why we have hope. And this is called an apology. An apology is not trying to defend God or apologize for him, but is a witnessing about his God's goodness. First Peter 3:15. always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason you have hope within you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. The biblical understanding of Psalm 124 is an excellent model of how true witnessing takes place. We remember God. We want to be imitators of the world, and we are called to image him so the world would know what he is like. The gospel, Jesus' life, death, and resurrection for us, is what offers salvation. But the results of the gospel is what people see in our lives as we live them out. When people who don't know Jesus see our lives, part of what they should see is the gospel on display. And walking with God each of our days leads us to be a steadfast people. When we hear the word steadfast, we, stint, we tend to think of those who never doubt or waver, uh, but that is not the case. To be steadfast means for, is for those who are willing to step out on a limb that God has called us to, even when we are scared of doing it. We trust God even in the midst of doubts and are honest about who we are and who he is and we're honest about our doubts. It means that we uh, know who the answer truly is. Faith in God is not faith and troubled by uh, anxiousness or doubt. It is, a it is a faith in spite of it. Our salvation doesn't rest in our own steadfastness. It rests in the God who is solid like a mountain. Resting God's strength, seeing his faithfulness, then leads us to joy. True joy comes as a byproduct of our God, of our relationship with God. No matter where we find ourselves, we trust that God is good and he will, be, he will bring his good to us like Habakkuk. No matter what happens, God ultimately is glorified. The focus of Psalm 126 is on a God that uh, is on God and what he has done in returning people to himself. The whole Old Testament sacrificial system was put into place so we could be returned to relationship with God again. And the joy and hope of, and redemption we were meant to live. 
It is why everything in the Bible points to the eventual coming of Jesus, not uh, because God did not and does not leave us in our brokenness and rebellion. Jesus says in John 15, these things I have spoken to you that you may, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And God brings us new life, life full of joy. And as a joyful people living daily lives, this will include our work. Psalm 127 talks about work. Walking in, that walking in each step of discipleship means we will work in the world in ways that bring God's glory known. We don't work to earn God's love or salvation. The beauty is that salvation isn't by our work, but it is by Jesus' work in us. Yet because he died, we get to rest in him. We live, we work, we raise families, and when it all feels overwhelming, Jesus says in Matthew 11, come to me all who labor and who are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus is not saying don't work. He's saying work for me and rest in me. When we see what he did for us out of love, by working with him, we will be liberated. This is why the New Testament says, do all that we do for the glory of God. We are to ultimately love our work because we love Jesus and we do it all in a redeemed way. Our work first honors God and then others because Jesus did the ultimate work on the cross, which brings us blessing. Blessing, just like God's original, just like God's original promise to a guy named Abraham, when he says, I will bless you and you will be a blessing, we get to be a part of the blessing in the world. We get to make Jesus known. Robert Roberts says, in a Christian context, there must be gratitude. But in order to be truly grateful, we must believe uh, we are receiving something we did not earn, merit, or deserve. And Peterson writes, being a Christian is what we were created for. The life of faith has the support of an entire creation and the resources of a magnificent redemption. What he means is that God has repeatedly blessed his children, even though we have run away from him. God shows up over and over, most notably in the person of Jesus. The meaning behind the cross is blessing and salvation to a lost people. The cross reminds us that God's promises are accomplished even in the middle of suffering um, and even with things that we don't equate as blessed. What we know is this, God deals with sin once and for all and all the, at the cross. And we are to trust this while we walk about our lives in perseverance. Because we know God is for us, our relationship will deepen as we walk with him in all things. Anything truly meaningful in life worth having requires at some point perseverance. And this includes discipleship. We don't persevere because it makes us worthy of, God, of a relationship with God, but because Jesus persevered for us. We are saved by grace. And out of that grace comes perseverance. This teaches that a Christian suffers with hope and perseveres with hope. And this leads to a deeper prayer. Again, not that you haven't prayed up to this point, but it, it comes to a deeper relationship and that requires a deeper communication. Step 11, uh, by step 11, we start to, we, we know God better and this leads to a true relationship with him and a deeper communication. Psalm 130 says, help God, the, fall, the bottom has fallen out. Master, hear my cry for help. And we begin to pray, to talk to God with what we are dealing with. We get to process everything in his presence. And this leads us to be a humble people. And seeing who God truly is and who we truly are, it must lead us to a place of humbleness. We are not a people who uh, could save or rescue ourselves. We have run from God and have destroyed our lives. Yet God is the one who rescues us. We should focus on God and not upon ourselves. Humility becomes a defining characteristic of a life of discipleship, of disciples. 
Humbleness is not a false modesty where we demean ourselves in front of others. It is a life constant adoration of who God is and how he has saved us. And with the focus on God, we become an obedient people. Obedience is a scary word in our vocabulary because it's often misunderstood as being by force. But by the 13th step of the discipleship journey, we obey God because we realize there's no other way to live life that is truly life. Psalm 132 is meant to be a reminder of how our obedience comes about. It comes from a God being first faithful to us. We obey, live by the spiritual guiding because we understand how great, worthy, and good God is. And we are told that Jesus, from the scriptures, that Jesus came to fulfill the law, everything we couldn't measure up to. He lived a perfect life of obedience for us. And he wants to return us to who we were meant to be, image bearers of him. This is why the scriptures are bigger in obedience. As one writer says, obedience to, God's, to God increases the freedom that matters most to human beings. And we obey God because God alone in all the universe is worth obeying. While it's not always easy, disobedience leads us to embrace community that God has placed us in. Community for followers is not optional. It becomes part of how we were meant to live lives. Jesus says in John 13, 35, by this, all men will know you are my disciples if you have love for one another. True love for one another is the only way we ever live in true community. Why is it important to God that his people live in community? Because it means we are living as we were created to be image bearers on of him on display to others. See, God's solution to the problem in the world is meant to be, is to be us living out in the world as his image bearers in tangible ways. And that doesn't mean the church just on Sundays, but us, everyone living our lives. Jesus came to restore God's family to a people where no one is perfect, but everyone is welcome. And this ultimately leads to hope. The songs of ascent end with the idea of hope because hope is what those taking this journey were ultimately looking for. They travel to Jerusalem for the feasts of the holy days to remember who God is and what he has done. But they also remember what God promised he would do. When we look back at all that is written about in the Hebrew scriptures, we see God promising to come and rescue his people uh, through no merit of their own. And Peterson writes, um, God gets down on his knees among us, gets on our level and shares himself with us. He does not reside afar off and send diplomatic messages. He kneels among us. That posture is characteristic of God. And it should be characteristic of his people as well in a way that brings God's love in a tangible way. The 15 steps of ascent are not a 15 step program to a better you. It is a cyclical journey of laying aside ourselves to who God is. If you notice there was, there was rep a repetitive in there. Everything is because God, Christ has first done things for us. And God calls us to be a family, be a part of a family, to be adopted again. And we cannot walk this long road of obedience in the same direction alone. Maybe today you are living outside of these 15 steps. Maybe you're in the Genesis three of the fall of your life. Um, where you're trying to live on your very own way, the way you want to live. There is hope. There is a better way of living. Your hope doesn't come from creation. It doesn't come from created things, including yourself. Your help, your rescue, your ultimate new creation comes from the creator God who wants to walk with you in, your, in his presence in a way that is right. Psalms uh, 121 starts, I lift my eyes to the mountains. 
Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. The first time I understood the gospel, I was in junior high and we went to this weekend conference down in LA. And the theme of the weekend was code blue. And it was this idea that there is a lifeless body in front of you and it's this emergency uh, term that means that we need to, to, to do an external procedure to restore life to this body. And that could be CPR, first aid, whatever it is. But the, what they use, they use that kind of metaphor to show us that I, am, I was dead. I'm spiritually dead. I'm trying to live life on my own and it's not working out. And I need something outside of myself to bring and breathe new life into me. And that was the first time of truly coming to repentance, to understanding and trusting who God is. But it's not the only time. It, and life doesn't just get better or easier. And it's a, it's a constant, lifelong journey. We live in the already and not yet. Already redeemed because of the work of Christ. But, um, but because all of creation is still under the curse, it is not fully restored. But we get to live lives of long obedience, of worship, and devotion to our great King. We get to worship Him as He continues, continually shows us the right way of living. And it's an honor and privilege to be called his people and he, his God. So today, we invite you, if you've never had before, to return home to the Father, to trust him for who he is and what he says about you, how you were made to be living, how you were made to image him. And we talked a lot about this at Christmas Eve, if you joined us, that God bring, breathes life into us. And as new creation, we get to experience life with the creator. And we get to experience all the joy and hope that comes with that. I'm gonna ask my buddy Jason to come up and play a couple songs. And as he does, spend some time thinking about that, reflecting on how good and gracious God is, how he created us to live rightly with him. Is he the object of your faith? Is he who you look to for your help? Do you trust him implicitly with your life? As we play a couple songs, songs, uh, we'll drop the shades and, and there'll be time to reflect. We also come to communion. Communion is a time where we remember just what Jesus did, how his perfect life record